When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, first, I have to tell you, of all the things you will encounter on the route, and I think the first thing was was a full-page picture of a poison ivy bush. She's like, okay, there is poison ivy all up and down the route, so don't touch it. It looks like this, but you're probably going to get poison ivy anyway. (laughs) And she looks at me like, is that enough? Have I convinced you not Mm -hmm. to do it? And, and I'm like, great, yeah. Continue. Like, yes. Well, what else we got? And she turns the page. Another full page picture of vegetation. Stinging nettle. <laughs> and this is worse than poison ivy because the stinging nettle leaves little things in your skin and they fester and it really makes your life miserable. I'm like, okay, what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> she took a big breath and she, she turns the page. And it was a picture of a mountain lion. is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today, we're taking you to Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park, home to one of the deepest and narrowest canyons in the world. This park in West Central Colorado is a must-see destination. Even if you only spend a half day peering down into the canyon at the roadside lookouts. That's right. We're going to talk about some of these spectacular overlooks, plus hiking trails, both maintained and unmaintained, where to stay when visiting the park, and when to visit. All this and more coming up next. Matt, I love it when you do the outline. It do you? Is, <laughs> yes, I love it. It's so neat. You know, when I do the outline, it's it's uh, random paragraphs of words. Yes, I'm not. And- <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about that, but we, we could talk about that later. <laughs> and when you do the outline, it's just this series of bullet holes all the way down. I love <laughs> Bull- it. Yeah, bullet points, not bullet oh, holes. Oh, bullet points. Yeah. So are you picking up some points, Karen, or some holes, whatever you call them, and how to do an outline? I, I think it's too late in life to change my ways. I think, that, I yeah, think what we should do is just agree have... with that. Yeah. <laughs> what? I think we just need to have you do the outline from now on, because mm. it is a thing of beauty. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, Black Canyon of the Gunnison. That park is very near and dear to our hearts. It is. Yeah, and not just because it's a great park. No, and it's one of the first parks that we had never 
been to when we started our journey to all the national parks. And so that was one of the reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I know you like it for another reason. <laughs> I like it because dear, dear Black Canyon of the Gunnison sells our book, Dear Bob and Sue. They do. In their visitor center. And not only do they sell our book, but they feature our book. They prominently display it. Well, when they don't run out of copies. <laughs> <laughs> They're ordering it all the time. It's, it's a thrill for us because most park bookstores have shunned our book. They don't, they don't like us. <laughs> Why is that, Matt? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, I know what the problem is. What, so, what, what's, what's the problem? I'll tell you what the problem is. All right. So years ago, we got an email from the chief ranger at Joshua Tree National Park. His name is Jeff. And he had read our book and he really liked it. And so he mentioned in his email, hey, the next time you guys are in Joshua Tree, come by and see me. And we we had a trip planned. So we stopped by Jeff's office. And gosh, we sat in there probably for at least a good hour or two talking and sharing stories about the park. National park stories. Yeah, Jeff had shown us the map of all the national park sites that he had been, not just national parks. And so, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And then he liked our book. He wanted he wanted it to be sold at the Joshua Tree bookstore. That's right. Now, unfortunately, Jeff wasn't in charge of, of all the items that are sold in the bookstore. So he took us over there and he introduced us to the manager of the park bookstore. He told her about our book and she asked us to mail her a copy. So after we got home, we sent her a copy. <laughs> and what, a month later, we heard from her. <laughs> well... Yeah. <laughs> what did she say, Matt? She said, "What was it inappropriate for the bookstore, or just it? What it didn't have enough interpretive sections, or n- not enough interpretive content?" Right. It was not educational in any way. <laughs> it, was, it was not educational in any way. Nice. So unfortunately, they would not be able to sell our book, which is shocking to me because I think any book where you can read about cooking your testicles on your laptop should be considered educational. And interpretive, don't you think? (laughs) Yes, both. It wasn't mine that we were cooking. We were concerned about somebody else who was traveling with us using their laptop on on their lap. I know, but you wrote it. I did write it, yes. Yeah. (laughs) No, they didn't. A lot of the bookstores don't carry our book. Most yeah. of them, most of them don't. There are some uh, some things that they probably found objectionable in there on every page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Black Canyon of the Gunnison does, and it's a thrill for us. And uh, there, I think there's a reason they sell it, and we'll talk about that more later when we get to our experience in the parks. Anyway, okay, we should move on. Yeah, let's talk about what it is, where it is. So, okay. what is Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park? Well. It's a park in western Colorado, centrally located in the state north to south, and it contains one of the deepest and most dramatic sections of the Black Canyon of the Gunnison River. It's the the canyon that the river has carved out, and the canyon itself is about 48 miles long, and then the park has 14 miles of the canyon. Right, and probably the the most spectacular 14 miles, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, abs- mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I saw a description, and I cut and pasted this because I just loved it, because it sounds so dramatic. Monolithic walls of ebony schist 
I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> Slashed by veins of granite and carved to depths of more than 2,000 feet tell the tale of two million years of the mighty Gunnison River relentlessly churning through mountains of stone. How's that for a description yeah, of Yeah, you park? use the word monolithic a lot <laughs> at home and, and ebony schist. If I hear ebony schist one more time. but I love ebony schist. Yeah, yeah, I can't stop yeah, talking about we it. Have, uh, we, we always get ebony schist anytime we go to a a national park we load up and bring it home <laughs> no because you're not supposed to no take you're not supposed to take, take anything no. out of the park mm-hmm. so we don't do that <laughs> it's a pretty small park it's only about thirty-one thousand acres which is one ninth the size of its neighbor rocky mountain national park yeah so it's not a huge park no, but uh, no. it, it has very dramatic landscape and it's often called Colorado's Grand Canyon mm-hmm. now the Colorado River just by comparison it drops on average about seven and a half feet per mile, but the Gunnison River drops on average 43 feet per mile. So it's a steeper river, so that creates bigger rapids and, and, and more dramatic landscape. Yeah, and did you know, Matt, that at its most dramatic descent, and that would be um, at the Chasm View, it descends 240 feet per mile. Wow, I've read that somewhere. Oh, that's right. When I did the outline, <laughs> it's next to the bullet hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's next to the bullet hole on that. Yeah. Now the canyon, like I said, it only part of the the overall canyon is in the park, and it continues both upstream and downstream. Upstream, there's the Curacante National Recreation Area, or as we called it when we visited all the parks, the Chicuterie National <laughs> Recreation Area. <laughs> And then downstream, it's the Gunnison Gorge National Conservation Area. That's right. Now, the Gunnison River in its entirety is 180 miles long, and it is no longer a wild river. I think there are, what, three dams along the Gunnison? There are, and that, mm-hmm. that's kind of what creates the uh, Curacante National Recreation Area. Okay, so all those dams are upstream in, upstream. in the National yep. Recreation Area. Yep. Okay. Yep. So if you're visiting Black Canyon of the Gunnison, there are two entrances, two primary areas. There is the South Rim entrance, which is 15 miles east of Montrose. And then there is the North Rim entrance, which is 11 miles south of Crawford. So the South Rim is really where most of the infrastructure is, Mm -hmm. the visitor centers on the south side. Now you can drive to the north side, the North Rim of the canyon, but there's there's not as much there. The last seven miles of the park access road and the entire North Rim Drive Road are unpaved. They're, they're gravel roads. Typically, the roads are in good condition and passable by most vehicles. Right. And there's also no bridge across the canyon. So you have to go around and it takes about two to three hours to drive from one rim to the other. So you're going to have to allow a lot more time if you want to see both of them. Yeah. Now that North Rim's closed in the winter. Right. Uh, And there's no specific date they close it. It's depending on weather. They do keep the South Rim open 365 days of the year, although that that road at some point is closed due to snow. But when that happens, you can still go and snowshoe in the park. And and depending if it's a low snow year, you can get pretty far into the park and, and do some of the trails on snowshoe. I think that would be really fun. So the Visitor Center, did we say the Visitor Center sells our book? The Visitor Center is open all year round. The hours vary um, depending on the season, but you can get as far as the Visitor Center in the winter, you know, park your car and then snowshoe in from there if that's something you want to do. 
So like we said, uh, sometimes that South Rim Road is closed due to weather. It's it's typically open for cars from early April through mid-November. Uh, and then, of course, the North Rim's closed to vehicles in the winter. So, Matt, when you were doing this beautiful outline, did you happen to look up how much snow they get in the winter? They must get a lot. I didn't. That was the part of the outline that you were assigned. <laughs> um, so, and Karen, it actually, it depends year by year. Oh, it does. They don't get the exact same amount of snow every year. Okay. So okay. Obviously, it's, it's very snowy if that scenic drive is closed. Yeah, visit in the winter okay. and then you'll yeah. see for yourself. <laughs> so speaking of visitation, this is not one of the parks that are super crowded. They get what about, let's see. 2019, they had 432,000 visitors. Yeah, kind of the uh, same ratio as size to Rocky Mountain National Park, about one-tenth of the visitors Uh uh, to Black Canyon or the Gunnison. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so why the heck is it called Black Canyon? Why is it, Matt? Tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so deep and narrow that the sun doesn't make it down to much of the canyon. There are parts of the canyon that only get about 30 minutes of sunlight per day. Okay, so it's actually Black Canyon means Dark Canyon, right? It's, it's not- <laughs> no, it's black. <laughs> it's not Dark Canyon of the Gunnison National Park. No, but I mean, it's called that because it's dark. It is dark. It's okay. so dark, it's black. Okay, but Matt, why is it called Gunnison? Where did that come from? Well, Karen, <laughs> thank you for asking. You know, the first official account of the Black Canyon was provided by Captain John Williams Gunnison in 1853. Wait, this is, wait. This is sounding a lot like history. I just think our listeners would appreciate a little bit of history about the park. Wait, wait. Yeah. That's not your job. That's my job. Well. (laughs) Are you taking over my history channel? No, no. But if anyone at the history channel is listening... If there's an opening for a male narrator. Continue. Well, let's see how okay. you do. Okay. So John Gunnison, Captain John Gunnison, actually, we should use his military title. He was leading an expedition. He was trying to survey a railroad route from St. Louis to San Francisco. And so that's what brought him to the area. And he and his expedition were exploring the Black Canyon area. And then he moved on to Utah, where unfortunately... He was killed, and the official story is that the Ute Indians, the Paiutes, killed him as part of a dispute with settlers, although there are some people who believe that maybe somebody else killed him and wanted to make it look like the Indians did it, but anyway, no one knows for sure. And then following his death, to honor him, they uh, named the river Gunnison. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And just a little bit more of historic background, Karen. (laughs) The area was established as a national monument on March 2nd, 1933, and then redesignated as a national park on October 21st, 1999. You're killing me here. (laughs) And and also, Karen, did you know that during that 1933 period in in the Depression, the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC, built the North Rim Road. And it was, it was designed by the National Park Service, and, and uh, CCC built it. And uh, there's, there's about five miles of road over there that includes some uh, overlooks. Wow, that CCC was everywhere. They were literally everywhere back in the 1930s. They, they were. They did a lot of great work in the parks. All right, nice job, Matt. Good, really good history channel. 
All right, let's talk about things to do in the park. Probably one of the most popular things to do in the park is drive the scenic drives and go to the overlooks and look into the canyon. The South Rim Drive is seven miles long, and it runs from Tamichi Point to High Point, and it has 12 overlooks that you can stop at and look down into the canyon. Uh, And most, if not all of these Overlooks you can get to by a a short walk. Mm -hmm. And the Park Service says allow about two to three hours to view all of the overlooks. And if you are limited on time, if if you don't have a whole lot of time, you just want to hit the highlights, they suggest Gunnison Point, Chasm View, Painted Wall, and Sunset View are the overlooks they say. Just don't miss those if if you're coming to the park. Yeah, I thought they were all spectacular. So as far as the viewpoints where you can see the deepest parts of the canyon, that would be Warner Point. The canyon is about a little over 2,700 feet at that point. Now, we're going to talk about Warner Point. It's a hike. You cannot drive to Warner Point. You drive to High Point and you walk to Warner Point. But we'll get to that in the hikes. Right. And then also Chasm View is one of the overlooks they say don't don't miss. That, the depth of the canyon right there, it's 1,800 feet. That's right. And at Gunnison Point, it's also 1,800 feet. Right, right. Yeah. It's not just a deep canyon. And this is one of the interesting things about this area. Unlike the Grand Canyon where, you know, the, the canyon's just super wide and you can see for miles and miles across to the, the, the other rim. This is a narrow canyon. So at Chasm View, so we said it was 1,800 feet deep. From rim to rim, it's only 1,100 feet wide. So it's narrower than it is deep right there. Wow. And it's not just narrow at the top, down at the bottom where the river is. There are areas that are very narrow. At its narrowest point, it's 40 feet wide. For a river that size, that's that's really tight. That's really tight. Can you raft through that area? Like do a, you know, do a float trip? No, I don't think you can. It's uh, it's pretty technical. The river is pretty technical through the park. There's, a, I guess, there's some dangerous areas, and there's at least a couple of difficult portages. So it's not raftable in the national park. Oh, that's too bad. That would have been a fun thing to do. Yeah, it would. Okay, so back to the overlooks. I think my favorite overlook to see was everybody's favorite overlook, which is Painted Wall. Uh, that viewpoint is amazing because you're looking across at this granite wall that's like streaked with colors. Well, and- it's the ebony schist that's slashed by veins of granite <laughs> that's what, is what you're seeing there. That's exactly what it is. And the painted wall also happens to be the tallest cliff in Colorado at 2,250 feet. Yeah, so that's uh, those are some of the dimensions of the canyon. Now, the North Rim Road, we should mention... Mm-hmm. That we haven't been there. We have not. Because when we visited the canyon, we we didn't have time to get over to the other side. But the North Rim, you can get there by going to essentially the small town of Crawford, north of the canyon. And there's a gravel road at the east end of Crawford State Park that leads to the North Rim Road. That North Rim Road has access to six overlooks. So you can see some spectacular views from over there as well. Now, they say over there, the cliffs, they're almost vertical on that northern side. And so it's really impressive views. So you can get more information over there at the North Rim Ranger Station, although it's only open intermittently in the summer. So you might want to check ahead of time to see if it's going to be open. And of course, as we said, that North Rim Road in that whole area is closed in the winter. Okay, a couple of scenic roads, South Rim and North Rim, 
However, there's another road you can drive, which is the East Portal Road. So this actually takes you down to the river, and it starts in the National Park. And at the bottom of the road, you leave the National Park and cross over into Curacante National Recreation Area. And at that point, the road dead ends. And there's some camping down there in the Curacante National Recreation Area that you have to access from the park and this East Portal Road. We drove down that road because we wanted to uh, we wanted to see the river at river level. I remember it was about five miles, extremely steep. I think it's a 16% grade, and it has some hairpin turns. So vehicles with an overall length, and that would be including a trailer, greater than 22 feet are prohibited on this East Portal Road. And I can see why. <laughs> you wouldn't want to take your... Right. You and when they, when they say uh, vehicles, including trailer, not greater than 22 feet, that basically means no trailers because it's almost impossible to have a vehicle and a trailer that in combination are less than 22 feet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my pickup truck was, I think, 20 feet long. Yeah. So you don't want to take trailers. However, they do say that you can leave unhitched trailers up at the top of the road at the parking area at the campground entrance oh, okay. at the top. There's a South Rim campground. Okay. Yeah. So you could leave your trailer there, drive down to the river and, and then come back. Yeah. It's fun to see it from a different vantage point than from way up on the rim. So if you have the time, we would suggest people drive down and take a look at that. So the whole reason why there is an East Portal Road is down there, there is an East Portal Really? That's it's, fascinating. It's an east <laughs> portal of a tunnel. So way back in the day, 1901, in fact, the U.S. Geological Survey, they they wanted to see if they could figure out a way to divert some of the water from the Gunnison River to a valley to the south where a lot of settlers had, had settled, but they were short on water and they just didn't feel like they could thrive or even survive there without water. But they thought, hey, we could maybe tunnel through these cliffs, divert some of the water down to the valley. And Karen, now it's time for the first pop quiz oh, no. of our episode. <laughs> and I have a visual that the listeners, of course, can't see. But the pop quiz is, how do you pronounce the name of the valley that the water was diverted to or still is diverted to? <laughs> I'll spell it for you so the listeners can hear what you're trying to pronounce. It's U-M-C-O-M-P-A-H-G-R-E. Ah. I'm showing her a word. Mm. Un- uncompa- <laughs> uncompa- <laughs> Go ahead and struggle uncompa- as much as you would like. <laughs> uncompa- hungry. Uncompa- hungry? Yeah, that's... Uncompa- I'm kind of hungry. Un- I'm kind of, I'm kind <laughs> of hungry, hungry, Valley. Uncomp- on. <laughs> Compang. Yeah, you didn't get. It. You haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to write these pop quizzes on the outline, so I have a chance. I know to. that's why. That's why I didn't do it because you'd look it up. <laughs> uh, okay, Matt, how do you pronounce that? Uncompagre. Uncompagre. All right. Uncompagre Valley. So the idea was that the settlers in the Uncompagre Valley. In order for them to thrive, if they could divert water from the the river, they just had to drill this huge tunnel. So they spent about four years surveying the area, four years digging the tunnels, very dangerous. 26 men were killed during the tunnel's construction. But in 1909, 
They finished the tunnel, which was 5.8 miles long and brought water to the, what valley was it, Karen? I already forgot. <laughs> Uncompagre Un- Valley. Uncompagre. Boy, that's a yeah. tough one. What does that mean, Matt? It's a Ute word that describes the water. It's dirty water or rocks that make water red. Wow, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so the east portal is the east side of the tunnel. So down there at, at the bottom of that road uh, is one of the dams. It's a diversion dam to divert water into the tunnel. And that's uh, then, of course, behind that dam is the reservoir that creates part of the National Recreation Area. You know, when we went down there, I don't remember seeing the tunnel. I guess you can't see it, but you can see the dam. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's why it's called East Portal. Well, you are just full of all kinds of fun facts. I did not know any of that. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm just learning things by just sitting next to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're moving on. So scenic drives. There's a few of them for you to do. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to hikes. Okay. Let's cover the South Rim first. We did a couple of these hikes. You've got the Oak Flat Loop Trail, and this starts right by the visitor center. They say it's easy to moderate. I I kind of forget. It seemed to me easy, but... Yeah, I think it was easy. It was only 1.3 miles round trip and about 300 feet of elevation gain. You do get some good canyon views from there, kind of similar to the overlooks. And on a lot of these trail descriptions, if you're going to all trails or, or a site like that to, to look at the descriptions, they will talk about great views of the canyon. I have to say, though, we've done some of these hikes. There are some great views from these trails, but they're really not much different than you see from the overlooks that are off the roads, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like if you're going down these trails, you're going to see a site that you really can't see from an overlook by the road. Sure. Yeah. Oh, one other thing, that Oak Flat Loop Trail. There are no pets allowed. Good to know. Then you have the Rimrock Trail, which is right by the visitor center. It's easy to moderate, about 1.5 miles out and back, 190 feet of elevation gain. Now, dogs are allowed on this, but they must be leashed. And some of the trail descriptions that I read, people say that this was more kid-friendly than the Oak Flat Loop. Yeah, I know that Oak Flat Loop Trail does have a few drop-off areas, so that's probably what they're referring to. You know, you got to watch your kids on that Oak Flat Loop Trail because there are some drop-offs down into the canyon there. Yeah. Another trail that we did was Warner Point. And like you said, you you drive to the end of the South Rim Road, the the high point lookout area mm-hmm. of the road, and then the, the trail starts from there. And, and it's listed as easy to moderate. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's about right. Yeah, it's 1.5 miles out and back, about 400 feet of elevation gain. Um, again, some great views of the canyon, similar to the ones you'll see at the overlooks. So these three hikes at the South Rim are all at the top of the rim. And then at the in the North Rim area, there are some rim hikes as well. There's the Chasm View Nature Trail that's listed as moderate. It's about a third of a mile round trip. There's the North Vista Trail. It's moderate if you go to Exclamation Point, which is about a three mile round trip. But if you go all the way to Green Mountain on that trail, which is about a seven-mile round trip. They say it's a strenuous hike. And the third trail over there is Dead Horse Trail. Uh, it's easy to moderate. It's about five miles round trip. And all of these trails, there's information on the park's website about them. And, of course, 
again, you could go to a site like All Trails and get more information. Sure. And double check, you know, if you have pets with you, double check, because I believe you can take your pets to the overlooks, but some of these trails, obviously you can't. Uh, You'll want to double check and see where you can take your leashed pet. I know on that dead horse trail, uh, pets are not allowed. And now a short break while we talk about one of our favorite things. Karen, you and I used to have a little competition going on about which one of us would be the first to grab our rumple blanket and which one would be left shivering with the dud blanket, as I called it. (laughs) It seems to me that I usually won that competition. That's because I let you in. I want you to have the cozy, soft blanket, the one that's made out of the same material that's in puffy jackets and sleeping bags. I don't mind being cold. Oh, now you're kind of making me feel bad. Kind of. No, it's fine. All those times we sat outside by the fire, the times we camped and set up our chairs in the park to watch the stars come out, all the outdoor concerts we went to, I was happy that you were warm and cozy wrapped in your rumple blanket. Of course, once my limbs went numb, I couldn't feel anything anyway. Well, the good news is Rumpel has sent us two new blankets, so now we don't have to fight over it anymore. But I call dibs on the Olympic National Park one. Yeah, how cool is that? On top of having over 135 different designs, they also have a National Park series of blankets. I think we should collect them all. Not only are the designs beautiful, but they're weatherproof, durable, and cozy. And Rumpel recycles over 5 million plastic water bottles a year to offset their carbon footprint. In fact, each blanket is made from 60 recycled water bottles. Well, you know, it's their mission to introduce the world to better blankets. I know, but there's more, Karen. If any of our listeners order a blanket from the Rumpel website and use the code DEAR, they'll save 15%. That's D-E-A-R. So check out all the blankets on www.rumple.com. That's R-U-M-P-L. These blankets also make great gifts for your friends and family, but buy several of them so nobody has to share. We talked about the trails in the park, but you know, the hiking isn't limited to trails. There are trails and then there are routes. (laughs) You could actually, if you wanted to, you could hike All the way down to the river. You can. And we're going to talk about that. (laughs) So on the South Rim, there are three unmaintained routes that will take you down to the river. Now, when we visited the park for the first time, we had it in our mind that we were going to hike down to the river. And we had researched there's one called the Gunnison route. That's the most popular. And when we looked at the statistics for the Gunnison route, it said it was 1.8 miles round trip. So, I mean, that's less than a mile to get down there. And we thought that sounded kind of easy. Oh, yeah, doable. super easy. We've done <laughs> we've done 1.8 miles round trip before. Let's, let's yeah. do that. Right. That was our plan going into it. Yeah. It should have been a warning to us that the park requires when you do these routes that you get a permit and so uh i thought that was a matter of just like flagging down a ranger and saying hey we'd like a permit and they would you know write our name on a on a thing that you put on your backpack and off you go that's not the case No, there is also an orientation that they want to walk you through. Again, we didn't realize any of this because this was only our sixth park on our journey, and we were uh, still really clueless at that point. So I remember... (laughs) We were clueless at that point. (laughs) Unlike now, where we have have the entire clue book (laughs) at our disposal. (laughs) But we still don't read it. (laughs) 
So we were there in July, one July morning. We go into the visitor center and we got there right when they opened and we happened to be the only people in there. So I, of course, do what I always do when I go into the visitor center as I head for the gift shop, right? Yeah, you're looking at refrigerator magnets. I'm looking at refrigerator magnets and and the books and I'm getting postcards to send to our kids like I always do. And then, Matt, you went to the ranger desk. I went to the ranger desk and asked uh, Ranger Betty. Now... We wrote about this in Dear Bob and Sue. We talk about Ranger Betty, although Betty wasn't her name. I changed her name in the book. Yeah. We uh, changed everybody's <laughs> name. Except ours. Except ours and Bob and, <laughs> and Sue. Bob and Sue. And we named the book after Bob and Sue. So if it was a completely embarrassing uh, book that <laughs> everyone would think it's Bob and Sue, not us. And we, we could just be anonymous. But yeah. no, any, anyway, Ranger Betty. So I flag her down and said we would like to hike down to the river on the Gunnison route and uh, her demeanor changed <laughs> when I, when I when I made that statement it was like I was an unwelcomed guest because <laughs> she's like are you sure you want to do that I think she knew that I was with you because she kept glancing over to you oh hey <laughs> don't and, put this on me I hadn't even shown and up yet <laughs> she's like you know there's she's trying to tell us about the other trails in the park. And finally, I'm like, no, no, we, we want to do that. And she goes, well, it's really hard and you need to be prepared. So, oh, yeah, we're prepared. <laughs> so she's like, all right. And she reaches under the counter and pulls out a big binder. And she's like, okay, you need to go through orientation if you're going to hike that route. And I said, "Great, let's you know, let's let's do it." And she looks over at you, and you were uh, looking at the postcards. Um, I think you were brushing your hair at the same time. <laughs> and she goes, "Now every, everyone needs to uh, go through the orientation. Who's who's going on?" And I, you whistled. I, I did not you whistled whistle. me over I like a dog. Not, I did not whistle. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Although if that works, would that work? Because I'll start whistling if, if that, that. And you were annoyed. You're like, no, you just go through the orientation. You you get all the information. And she's like, no, your wife has to go through the orientation too. So we got off to, on a really uh, a good start with she, the ranger. Yeah, she liked us. Yes, yeah, so she's opening. <laughs> she's opening the binder, and she's like, okay. First, I have to tell you, of all the things you will encounter on the route. And I think the first thing was a, a page. It was a full page picture of a poison ivy bush. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, there is poison ivy all up and down the route. So don't touch it. It looks like this, but you're probably going to get poison ivy anyway. <laughs> and she looks at me like, is that enough? Right, like, like right. Have, I, have I convinced you not mm-hmm. to do it? And, you and I'm like, you're great. Yeah. Continue. Like, well, yes. Well, what else you got? And she turns the page, another full page picture of vegetation. Stinging nettle. <laughs> There's stinging nettle on the route. And this is worse than poison ivy because the stinging nettle that leaves little things in your skin and they, they fester and it's really makes your life miserable. I'm like, okay, what else? <laughs> what else? She took a big breath and she, she turns the page. And it was a picture of a mountain lion. <laughs> she goes, Okay, uh, if you run into him, there's nothing you can do. So she turns. <laughs> there's a picture of a bear. She goes, okay. Now the bears. There are bears on the route, and you know you got to do this and that if you encounter the bear. So so it was 
all of these things. And she knew that we were just dumb enough to like, it didn't matter what she told us. We were going to try it anyway. Yeah. She said that when she pointed to the bear, she said that there was kind of a nuisance bear that had been hanging around that route and was kind of not harassing hikers, but she said, you will most likely see this bear right here. You know, the picture of him. And of course we didn't have bear spray then. We, we did not. No. We, 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 no. uh, we also didn't have the four liters of water each that we were supposed to have. Mm-hmm. She was looking at our water bottles, mm-hmm. which I think we had each had a 16 ounce water bottle. She says, well, do you have gloves? No, we don't have gloves. <laughs> she goes, well, there's, there's a chain. There's an 80 foot chain that you have to, you should use on going down and, and coming back up. And you really want to, to have gloves and, and you're going to have to have gloves to hang on to vegetation as you're going down this extremely steep route. Yeah, we didn't mention the steepness. So in the 0.9 miles that you are descending, it drops 1,800 feet. <laughs> right, when, <laughs> right. When we hike and we see an elevation gain of 1,000 feet per mile, that's kind of the our limit as to strenuousness. Right. I mean, we could do a, a trail that's, that's steeper than that, but we just really don't want to. This is twice mm-hmm. as steep. Right. As kind of our red line. So that should have been a warning, but it wasn't. So she keeps looking at us like, are you guys ready to give up yet? Um, And (laughs) at that point, we we weren't going to give up. We just. Oh, no, we we, were determined. We're going to keep going. And and I think the real reason she was a little put out that we wanted to do this is because like they have to go rescue people. If you don't, if you go down there and you're not prepared and you can't get back up, I mean, they. They got to rescue you and they also give you the permit because they keep the stub on the permit. And at the end of the day, when you come back, you're supposed to turn the your half of the permit back in so that they match them up so they know that they don't have to go look for you. Right. They know who to come out and rescue. And I know she was looking at us and thinking, my day just got a lot longer. Well, I know she was looking for tattoos and any kind of physical description so that she could tell the uh, search and rescue folks this is what they look like. (laughs) When they find our dead body. (laughs) So so the wife had a hairbrush and a a bag. purse. Her purse and three refrigerator magnets. I tell you one thing we didn't have. She suggested that we wear long pants because of the stinging nettle and because of the poison ivy. And of course, it was a hot July day. So we had on shorts and our luggage and all of our other clothes were in our hotel room in Montrose. So we didn't even have anything to change into. So yeah, not enough water, no gloves, no long pants. And looking at all of these obstacles that we were going to face on the trail. And what did we do? Oh, we, we went <laughs> on down the trail. We we were unfazed. We were unfazed. We headed down the trail with 16 ounces of water in our shorts yeah, so we were undeterred. We headed out to get to this route. You you follow the Oak Flat Trail for about a third of the mile, and then then you get to some of the first switchbacks. Um, and there's there's a sign that says "Wilderness Permit Required," which did not slow us down because we had our wilderness permit. We were set. We, <laughs> we were ready. <laughs> we head down the trail. I, I think from that point where it says you need a wilderness permit. We got maybe, I don't know, 300 feet down the trail. Yeah, not even a quarter of a mile. Of- I don't know if we lost the trail. Of course, it's not a trail. It's a route, yeah. which which means that there's not always a established way down that everyone takes. 
we were on the side of a cliff quickly scooting on our butts yeah we were muddy and we wish we wished at that point that we had uh long pants and gloves oh yeah and four liters of water each (laughs) (laughs) because we were out of breath yeah going down yes it was one of those things where you had to hang on to any like roots that were sticking out or tree branches it was that steep we literally kind of sat on our butts and scooted along and gosh, I don't know, five minutes of that, and we thought, holy shit. We're like, we're yeah, you know what? Let's go to Montrose, <laughs> the nearest town, and go to the family Mexican restaurant and get margaritas <laughs> the size of fish bowls. And we'll all laugh about this one day. That's right. Yeah. So that's today. We're laughing about it. <laughs> so here's the thing we climbed our way back up the 300 yards that we had scooted down, which, by the way, took like an hour, and we were sweating just trying yeah, to get Yeah, we thought we were going to die. That little bit. And then we walk back to the visitor center. And so, as you said, Matt, we had to turn back in the wilderness permit so they know that they didn't have to come and rescue us. So we were looking outside the building to see if there was some kind of like after hour slot where we could just stick it in and not have to go face Ranger Betty Betty, like 10 minutes I think Betty was standing right where she was standing when we left. She hadn't moved because we hadn't been gone that long. It was like a 10 minute thing. I was so embarrassed. I made you go in and I stood out by the car and waited for you. Yeah. Actually, there was a box. Oh, there was? There, There was a box. I could see it. And I was trying to figure out how to get to the box and put the permit in without Betty seeing us. And so I I had it all planned. I'm just going to go in, put the permit in the box, scoot out of there. And like as soon as I turn the corner, there's Betty. She was waiting for us. Um, (laughs) And she she gave me this look like, you really made me go through the 20-minute orientation. You guys are back already. (laughs) And I just kind of pointed my head towards you in the parking lot. (laughs) And... Betty nodded her head. Oh, like, uh-huh, thanks. Yeah, you threw yeah, me yeah, under yeah. the bus. I, I, I get it. <laughs> you were putting on lipstick, I think, <laughs> in, the, in the rear view mirror of the car. I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, well, man. <laughs> so, so maybe if I come back, go back to the park by myself, I'll, I'll do it. But uh, yeah. So I think that is why Black Canyon of the Gunnison sells our book is because our story of that experience in Black Canyon shows stupid people doing stupid things. And it's kind of like a lesson, right? Don't do this. Don't be <laughs> these <old>. people. <laughs> it is a lesson. Don't be us. <laughs> that's, kind of the, that's kind of the lesson we try to get across every week, every Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be us. Don't be us. But I will say, for those people who successfully make it down, you can camp down there, can't you? Like wilderness you camp? You can, and, and I think that's kind of the point. It, it would be a long day to go all the way down and, and back in one day, although I'm sure people smarter and in better shape than us have done it uh, many times. But I think also what people do is they hike down one day. They camp down there. There's, uh, at least at the Gunnison route, I, I think there's three established campsites, and there's an outhouse. Uh, and then you have some access to the river, and then they hike back the next day. You know, I can't even imagine as hard as it was going the the 300 feet that we went to try to do it with a bigger backpack and a tent and a sleeping bag and all that stuff. There's no way. Well, if you leave the purse and the refrigerator magnets uh, in the (laughs) truck, that's less weight. So you got that. True. Okay. I could lighten my load a little bit. Yeah. Well, was it after that? I think it was after that we had time left. So we actually went 
back down the scenic drive to the end of the road, and we uh, did that Warner Point Trail. We did. So we parked at High Point, and we did the Warner Point Trail that we talked about earlier. And then what's funny is that there is another route down into the canyon from that Warner Point area, but it's not very well marked. And I just wanted to see it, right? Oh, you just wanted wanted to get to it to see if maybe... That was less steep or dangerous? Well, what I found out doing some research is that the Warner Point route is 2.7 miles round trip, and it has a vertical drop of 2,722 feet. So it's longer. Yeah, so yeah. it's longer and just as steep. Yeah. It's, so yeah, it's, it's probably harder. Right? Yeah, it says this is the most difficult one. But I just wanted to see where it started. I, I wanted to see if I could look over the edge and yeah. like, just yeah. see what it looked like. So we're walking along the Warner Point Trail, and a law enforcement ranger is hiking towards us. So as he got up to us, I stopped him and I said, you know, excuse me, could you tell me where the access is to the, the route that goes down into the canyon, down to the the river and i think his head spun around at that point when he looked at us yeah he said you're not planning to do it are you and i nodded my head towards you and he nodded in agreement it's like yeah no i get it i get it we said oh god no we're not planning to do it we just about killed ourselves trying to do the gunnison route so anyway he chatted with us for a while and he pointed out where the access was yeah he was just relieved to have two fewer visitors to have to go rescue that day Yeah, and look, in all seriousness, I mean, we can laugh about how stupid we were back then, but when visitors to the parks overestimate their ability and they get themselves in over their heads, then what happens? The rangers have to risk their lives to rescue these people like they would have had to rescue us. So go slow, start small, Mm -hmm. like start with a margarita at at the Mexican (laughs) restaurant in Montrose and work your way up to the Gunnison route. (laughs) Don't try to... Do that as your your first thing. But speaking of which, Karen, let's talk about where to stay if you're going to visit this park. Yeah. So Montrose is very close. That's where we stayed on our first visit. Um, And then I guess if you're visiting the north area and you want to stay someplace close, that would be the town of Crawford. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of places. There's a couple of B&Bs in Crawford, less populated over there. Really, Montrose is your place to stay. Yeah, lots of hotel options, and there were some good restaurants there. But what we would suggest, what we did on our second visit to Black Canyon of the Gunnison, is we stayed in Uray, O-U-R-A-Y. We've talked about this darling little mountain town before, and it's only 36 miles south of Montrose, so it's not very far. And it's a beautiful mountain town. There are lots of lodging options there. I remember we went to a good brewery. That's a fun little town. And also not too much further is Telluride. And Telluride's a little higher end. Right. Uh, that's a great little town also. Sure. So there are some options. Take a good look at the map. And it also depends where you're heading next. You know, we were heading to Mesa Verde to the south. So it made sense for us to stay in Uray. But, you know, if you're if you're heading to, for instance, Great Sand Dunes, you know, you might stay in a different town. So to just take a good look the map. So those are uh, a couple of towns you can find hotels, motels, but you can also camp. So there's three camping areas in and around the park. There's the South Rim Campground, and it's about a mile from that South Rim Visitor Center. Now, you have to make reservations on recreation.gov for mid-May to mid-September, and it's first come, first serve after those dates. So now remember that 
outside of those dates, it also could be closed due, due to weather. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and it says the sites are fairly close together, partially shaded, and a few of the sites have electric hookups, but um, not all of them do. Okay. I see it. You wrote down there are 88 sites. 88 sites. Okay. 23 of them have electric hookups. Okay. That would be fun to stay there. I'm guessing the stars, the dark sky there must be incredible. Oh, yeah. It's a dark sky park. <laughs> yeah. We just did an episode <laughs> on that. Uh, so then there is the North Rim Campground. Again, it's closed in the winter because the North Rim area is closed. It is remote and has just 13 sites that are dispersed among pinion and juniper trees. Sounds lovely. First come, first served, all season. And also over there, the length of the vehicle that's allowed is limited to 22 feet. Okay. And then, of course, you could camp at the East Portal Campground down by the river. It's in the Charcuterie National (laughs) Recreation Area. Uh, They've got 15 sites. It's closed in the winter. But here's the thing. When people are thinking about camping in the National Recreation Area, they're thinking, okay, well, I got a site there and I've paid for it or whatever. But you have to go through the National Park to get to the campground. And so if, in order to do that, you're going to have to pay the entrance fee, mm-hmm. the $30 entrance fee to get into the National Park, uh, unless you have a pass, right? So just keep that in mind if you're planning on camping there. You have to get to the campsite through Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park. Okay. And a bonus, one thing you can also do is you can take a boat ride into Black Canyon of the Gunnison from Kiriconte National Recreation Area. So these boat tours leave the Morrow Point Reservoir. It's an hour and a half boat tour with a ranger. They travel um, into the Black Canyon of the Gunnison and you'll learn about geology and wildlife and railroads and water control and all kinds of things. What about the early inhabitants? Do you learn about those <laughs> on the tour? You'll learn about those, Matt. And I'm guessing about the, the East Portal, what was it, Diversion Tunnel? The Diversion Tunnel. Yeah, I'm guessing that that probably is talked about. Now, the tours run at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. every day in the summer except for Tuesday. This is usually from June to mid-September. However, big disappointment, these tours will not be running in 2022 due to a major construction project that's ongoing. Well, you got so, everybody excited. I know, but and then never mind. I know. Well, here's the thing though. What if you're going what if they're going in 2023? What if people are listening to this podcast 10 years from now? Exactly. Oh, way back in the right. 20s. Yeah, right. I didn't know that they were even alive back then. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want more information about this, this isn't uh, on the Black Canyon of the Gunnison website. It would be on the Curacante National Recreation Area website. All right, Karen, wrapping it up. When to go? When's the best time of year to go? Well, as we said, because of the weather, uh, we probably wouldn't recommend going before mid to late April. And, and you know, by mid-October, you could run into snow. So uh, yeah, may- well, with the exception if you're if you're into snowshoeing or cross country sure. skiing and, and you, right. you have a vehicle to get up there on the South Rim, try that and and probably you know if it's good snow year it might be spectacular up there in the winter. That, that's right. I did see on the park website they said that most visitors show up between ten in the morning and two in the afternoon, and those overlooks can get crowded. So they're suggesting that visitors go early. Or go sometime after 2 o'clock. And actually, I'm guessing that would be a fun place to see the sunset. Mm -hmm. I'd suggest going late afternoon if this is summer. 
go to all the overlooks, watch the sunset, and maybe hang out and see the stars come out. I think that would be a great thing to do. Yeah, the stars, I'm sure, are brilliant there. Mm -hmm. So unless you're camping or, you know, doing one of the routes and you're actually prepared for it and Mm -hmm. and camping down there, I think it's it's kind of a one-day or a one-half-day park visit. Yes. If you go to the south and north rims, you got about two to two and a half hours of driving also added on to get from rim to rim. So like that would be a full day. But if you're just going to go to the south rim and look at the overlooks, it's it's probably a half day park. Yeah, because we managed to drive the scenic drive, look at all the overlooks, hike the Oak Flat Loop hike and hike the Warner Point Loop hike and have our little 10 minute excursion down into the Gunnison yeah. Route. We did all that in a half a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you could easily do it or, or take your time and, and take a whole day. But this is not a multi-day park. Yeah. So, you know, this is like we said about the visitation, uh, the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. By the way, we when we were doing our trip, we had to shorten its name to the BC of the G. Mm -hmm. This was just too too many syllables for us to say. But, uh, you know, if you're going to go to the BC of the G, you know, I I think a lot of people don't make it its own destination. Like they're going to travel across the country to go see this. But it's a great, great add on. If you're in Colorado, you're going to other national parks, and it's kind of on the way to Mesa Verde. So if you're kind of doing a loop of, of some of the other great public lands in Colorado, western Colorado, it's a must-see stop. I think so, too. Standing on the rim and looking down into the black slash dark canyon. The dark canyon of the Gunnison. <laughs> the dark canyon of the Gunnison. It is really spectacular. Oh, I just got goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend this park and, and highly recommend the visitor center and the book display as well. Yeah, and say hello to Ranger Betty. That's right. Tell her we said hey. Thanks for tuning in today. If you've been enjoying our podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcast. What was it you said the other day, Karen? Uh, you're going to have to be a little more specific. <laughs> <laughs> About how many reviews we have? Oh, yeah, that. I think we have around 850 ratings and reviews, and I said that I'd like to hit 1,000 before I die. Okay, here comes the goals again. <laughs> Now, now the goal is a thousand. Okay, so let's make Karen's wish come true. And while we're at it, I have a few other wishes. Can we talk about those? Two? No, just one, one at a time. Right now, we're trying to get a thousand ratings or reviews on Apple Podcasts. Okay, I'm I'm down with that. No, we are out of time. The next two weeks, we have some fun mailbag episodes coming out. We'll talk about hiking and camping with bugs the rules for spreading ashes in the parks, emergency road trip gear, solo traveling, why horses are allowed on some national park trails but dogs aren't, pinnacles and redwood national parks, and what kind of pizza and cheez do we prefer? Riveting. Yeah, all of those things. We're going to squeeze those into two mailbag episodes. You do not want to miss those episodes. <laughs> it's a show about nothing. 